Hey everybody, I'm Ivana. And I'm Derek. And this is Till, Till Kingdom, Kingdom Come. Come. I'm looking like I I got roasted outside. I'm sunburnt. We're also dog sitting and the dog looks so cute right now. He's like <laughs> staring at us. It's really cute. <laughs> um, we wanted to go ahead and bring you guys a more practical podcast. And on this one, I think it's something that'll really help you. And we bring you seven things to do if you feel like your relationship with the Lord is in a rut. Every Christian goes through this. There are like highs and lows. Your relationship with the Lord ebbs and flows, but he is constant even when you're not. So Mountains and valleys. So we bring you what helps us when we feel like our relationship with the Lord is feeling a little dry. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? You go first. Okay, so my first one, and you guys saw this in the past vlog. If you haven't seen it, make sure you check it out, is to confidently enter by the blood of Christ. It talks about it in Ephesians, and it says like we draw near by the blood. I don't draw near by my own works. I don't draw near by how many pages I read from my Bible, how long I prayed. I draw near by the blood of Christ. So super quickly in the Old Testament, you would only have peace with God because you would have a day of atonement once a year. And that was through the blood of bulls and goats. And so in that moment, the high priest would put the blood on the mercy seat and then you would be able to have a relationship with God, like just peace with him, not even a relationship because you couldn't be face to face. But now in the new covenant, Jesus, God himself, has put his blood on the mercy seat for me and it saves me to the uttermost. It's not just one day, but every day of the year I have access. And so no matter what I'm going through, whether I'm feeling shame, guilt, or condemnation, which are not from the Lord, or if I'm just struggling because of X, Y, or Z. I remind myself by taking communion that it's not on my own works, but I draw near by the blood and he's excited to see me. And all I have to do is draw near. And in Jeremiah, it says it as I draw near to God, God draws near to me. And so he's not hard to find. That's kind of how I get myself started. That's a good one, baby. I like that. This will be new for me because I can't say that I've implemented it in the past, I, and I think it's because I haven't seen it this way until now. So the practical side would be reciting the scripture and declaring the scripture, but then knowing the scriptures and why they were said would be like the beginning of John 14, the beginning of John 16, Jude one twenty six, and there are all these similar passages that that are said, two out of the three being from Jesus and then another one from Jude, that he is the God who does not make us stumble. He is the God that is informing us now so that our hearts wouldn't be troubled later. He is the God who is who has kept us and will keep us. He is the God who has prayed to his Father for him and I to be one. And um, those scriptures, they must be exalted in my mind over my bad days, over my valley seasons. Because if they're not, then the season will outweigh the truth. And the seasons can never outweigh the truth. The truth will always stand. And so I think a quick practical thing for me would be, if you need to, write them down and recite them. I know a pastor who wrote these scriptures, uh, scriptures like these on a 3 by 5 note card and kept them in his back pocket, recited them as much as he can. If you need to just keep them on your Bible app, you know, or make a little image and put it on your phone, whatever you need to do to keep these scriptures top of mind, yeah. I think would be like just a good practical way to start. Find scriptures that, you know, exalt the name of Jesus over your situations 
and let don't let them be super long just let them be just quick reminders that you can glance at and then receive that kind of fresh power receive it that's awesome a couple of years ago i had a whole confessions board so it was like verses mm. that i felt the lord was like speaking over me and verses about his truth his goodness his faithfulness and i would read it out loud over myself every morning can you do that again for us maybe we'll talk about it um <laughs> But that's awesome. I think definitely that. Another thing I like to do is I like to enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And so even though I might be feeling like dry and I'm like David, like I'm like, I'm in the valley, what's happening? And I process all these things with the Lord and with Derek and with my mom. And so they hear it. When I approach the Lord in prayer and just making myself aware of him, I approach in thanksgiving. I'm like, thank you for the breath in my lungs. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you know when I don't know. Thank you that you're hearing my prayers. Thank you. And it awakens my heart. Yeah. It takes me out of the situation and it gives me like a higher perspective, like an eternal view of what's happening in comparison to God. Like his ways are higher than mine. And so I'm like, oh, I'm just looking at myself. I say this a lot and I think it came from Peter Lewis, but it's like we can get stuck looking at our belly buttons rather than like beholding him and listening to him. And so when you look at yourself and you don't feel the Lord just smiling in delight over you, you've taken yourself out of abiding because you're inside of Christ. So when God looks at you, he delights when he looks at you. He's in a good mood. He's smiling. He likes things about you. And so that always snaps me back into reality. I'm like, oh, wait. And you mentioned John 17. I'm like, you love me. You asked for this. You died for this. And that instantly, like, it flips a funnel. I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course you want to encounter me. Of course you want to show up. You you died for this. I didn't. And then it flips the game. That's good. I like that. Practical tip number four for me. You probably heard this on another podcast. Um, but I love to read, uh, the book of martyrs. It's, you really do. It's like a weepy book. And, you know, there's multiple different books, John Fox, Jesus freaks. So, and they have different stories in them. Even like the beginning of John Fox, he takes up one page and just does like bullet points of all the, all the apostles and how they died. Even, even Matthias, like I was surprised cause that's just historical information. That's not even in the Bible. <laughs> like it's just, they found historical records of how he was martyred, you know? And to me, just a simple practical thing of reading it and do this with discernment. I do this simply because I need to remind myself that I'm not as big as I think. And it's a truth telling way that my situations aren't as drastic, aren't as big. And again, you know, it's not to diminish them. It's actually to exalt the Lord and exalt his people who have paid a very hefty price to follow him. And it really snaps my mind out of whatever funk I'm going through. And it's not momentary. And I, I think I just want to say that, like reading a story like, you know, 15-year-olds that get unfortunately killed for the gospel, but they get killed knowing that they're dying for the gospel kind of thing, is touching, it's moving, it stirs me, it, it, ex it excites me to jump into the gospel and to, 
to remind myself of the fresh, like the fresh word of God over my life. I will tell you that reading those books and reading a few passages of those things, they really help pull me out. It makes it like real. It's like, oh, people so believe in this that they give their life for it. And I'm like, I'm crying over, I don't Spilled know. milk. Like, yeah, over the tiniest thing. Yeah. And it's like, it makes it so much more real. We talk about American Christianity a lot, but it's the understanding that our brothers and sisters overseas, like they're living a whole different Christianity and they're dying for the gospel. And they're living like he's going to split the sky tomorrow, like the apostles. And so I totally get why that would do that. Another thing I like to do, and this is something I think I've told everyone to do, we did it in premarital. I tell everyone, his thoughts for you are more than grains of sand in the beach, in the ocean, wherever, in the whole world. Like, And so I love, and I also learned this from Peter. Peter, we love you. You're amazing. Um, before you get commissioned, get affirmed. And so when I am believing lies about myself or like there's tension in something or I just, I cannot, I'm like, Father, what do you love about me? And he will tell me things that I'm like, wow, why would you say that in this moment? But I have to believe his word over mine. And so when I count his thoughts about me greater than mine or greater than my situation, he loves on me so well and he'll hit every point. And it's like, I only love because mm -hmm. he first loved me. And so in that moment, I'm like, I have to let him love me. I think a lot of people go straight into like, what's my calling? What's my purpose? What's the next thing? And they don't just sit to let the Lord delight over you. Like Kevin Tips talked about this and he's our campus pastor at Upper Room. But he was like, I didn't look at my son in a crib and be like, oh, you have to do all these things for me. Like he's a baby. He just wanted to see and delight in his son and the Lord wants to do that with us. And so even on our Sabbath, that's something that I attempt to do. And I journal a lot. That's also very helpful. But I open up my journal. If I have to, I take communion. Like, I just honestly, I like to strip it back to the bare basics. But then I'm like, Lord, what do you love about me? Yeah. And then I, I swallow that. I ingest that. I believe that. And then from that place, I walk a little different because my father delights in me. I love that. I love being affirmed by the Lord. It's one of the primary it's one of the primary factors of being a son that the Father will speak directly to you for you. Six would be for me worship. Throwing on some good old worship and yes. blasting it in the house or blasting it in the car and singing very loudly and crying and dancing, in the car while you're driving. Moving and just doing all the things that need to happen for you to break out of it. And I, I will say this. I think the Lord has also blessed me to have been in certain places that mighty moves of God have happened. And so when I put on certain worship or certain worship moments from the last four years of my time with the Lord, I can recall every moment or every minute of that moment myself because I was there. And so... If you've been blessed to be able to travel to a conference and and be somewhere where God really moved uh, on a crowd of people or on an event, go back to those on YouTube and watch them and remind yourself of all that he did while you were there. I was at the Send in Orlando in 2019, and I remember you know, not knowing anything about Holy Spirit and relationship to God and miracles, and we sang Let It Rain, and it started to rain. 
And Ivana's watched me cry over the video every time I put it on. Jeremy Riddle will get you. And and it's I cry because I remember standing center of the field and it raining. And at the harder we sang, the harder it rained. And so it, it there are moments with God that can be traced backwards. More than often, they could be attached to a specific song in that season. And so... A great encouragement to help pull yourself out is uh, to put on true worship that is not about you, that is about Him. There are beautiful worship songs of remembrance that will help you remember why He did it, uh, and those are great, but there's also great worship songs that are just about Him, like, what's my, what's my favorite? Uh, Worthy is the Lamb. I just need to hear someone say, the darling of heaven was crucified, and I'm done. Yeah, he really I'm, is. I'm undone. So worship, worship, worship. Yeah, I think that ties into what we were talking about, like doing the things you did at first, like not forgetting your first love. So it's like making it about him. Like you're, I remember when I got saved and it's like I couldn't hear one worship song without like weeping. And at some at some place along the line, you get like caught up in something else and you're like, you move on. But coming back to the tenderness of first love and doing that. And for number seven... I'm going to say live in the light with community. I have my friends and so does Derek that will call and I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. I I need you to like just speak truth over me. This is the lie that I'm believing or like not having shame to go to other believers and actually being naked and unashamed before them and being like, I'm, I'm actually hurting or I'm actually disappointed and letting them speak truth over you and understanding that Holy Spirit also lives in them. And so he wants to speak to you through other believers and that'll sharpen you. And so even though you might feel like you're in a rut, like you're not a bad Christian because you feel like, oh, my relationship is dry. Maybe you just need to get around some good community and let them wash you. And then from that place, just continue to be sharpened. That's really good. I think you've taught me so much about living in the light. And though I have had always community, it, it definitely enhanced because I realized the depth that I can go to with my brothers uh, to help me in these seasons. So quick impromptu, we're going to do something. She didn't know we're going to do this. I have no clue what we're going to do. But let's do one thing each of what not to do. And <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of one specifically, and it reminds me of, have you ever heard of the boiling crab syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, For those of you who don't know, uh, if you were to take a group of crabs that are alive and throw them in a pot and boil them, the, the, the reality of each of the crabs is that they could work together to get out of the pot if they were to work together, but their tendency is to pull the crab that's closest to the rim back down because of what the boiling water is doing. And... That would be the one do not. It would be don't pull others down into the pit with you. So I think for me, and this is big for me, it would be don't numb out. Don't go binge out on Netflix. Don't go crazy. Don't go drinking. Don't go text your ex. Oh my gosh. Like you have to remember like he's faithful and he's keeping you and he is your high priest. His job is to give you mercy and grace And so you can always come in like he is praying and dispensing that over you. And he's really good at his job. Like he's going to take care of you. And so even if it feels hard at the moment, 
I think press in and get around community and, and do all the other things, but don't numb out. He's worth you. Um, he's worth he's worth you pressing in and seeing him in whatever you're going through. It's so good. The Lord gave me a word, you know, in 2020, he said, don't decompress, press in. You know, when it feels good to just numb out, just press in because it's so thin. You'll just get through it with him. Well, guys, we love you. We hope you enjoyed this. And if there's anything that you do when you feel like you're in a rut with the Lord, leave us a comment down below so that we can know and other people can know. Yes. We love you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week. Later. Bye.